by his prophets, but now has spoken by his son. He wants us to know who that son is. That son is Jesus. Whom he hath appointed heir of all things, and by whom also he made the world. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power. Colossians chapter 1 verse 6, excuse me, verse 16 says, He, by him all things consist. He holds things together. Because electrons and protons, the electrons repel each other and the protons repel each other. Like charges Repel. Now, the protons attract the electrons, and they're moving at such a high rate of speed around the, the, the nucleus of the atom, which is made up of protons. They're moving at such a high speed that they're not drawn in. However, something keeps them from flying off into space. It's the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. Something keeps those protons from blowing apart from each other. That's the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He holds all things, upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, how did he do that? How did God purge our sins? This isn't a trick question. Just blurt it out. Excuse me? He purged us with his blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sin. Okay? Who died on Calvary? Jesus. And God the Father. And God the Holy Spirit. Say what? Yeah. God was in Jesus on the cross. Then why did Jesus cry out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Did God forsake Jesus? Did God turn his back on Jesus? No. In one of the epistles, the Apostle Paul says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So God was there. But every other time, the physical stress of being a body that contained the Lord Jesus Christ became too much. The angels came and ministered to it. We saw it happen on the Mount of uh, Temptation. The Mount of Temptation... Satan comes to him, and he hadn't eaten for 40 days. And Satan says, command these stones to be made bread. And if you're God, it'll happen. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. Man shall live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And Satan tempted him two more times. And after the temptation was ended, after Jesus defeated the temptation using the only two things that we have available to us to defeat the temptation, and what are they? The Word of God and the Spirit of God. That's what Jesus used. The Word of God and the Spirit of God. That's what we can use. When that was over, the Scripture says the angels came and ministered to him. They fed him. They took care of him. And then again in the Garden of Gethsemane, he is praying, God, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And as he is praying, he gets that cold, clammy sweat that often accompanies people who are dying. It's like 
sweat drops of blood. Doesn't say it is sweat drops of blood, it says it's like sweat drops of blood. And it's totally exhausting. A lot of people don't live through that. Now, now the doctors give them morphine, try to keep them comfortable, because the nurses can't stand the screaming when lost people die. That's the truth. So, when that's over, it says the angels came and ministered unto him. And now, the third time, his body is ravaged by the beating. His body is ravaged by the blood loss. His body is ravaged by the effects of our sin taken into his own body. And he cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because no angel is allowed to come forward and comfort him, sustain him. He bears it all by himself. God dying for man. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's why Satan thought he won. Because God died. Only God can't die, can he? Nope. The body died. He purged our sins. After he purged our sins, they put him in the tomb. He went to Sheol, called in the English Bible Hades or hell. Sheol is Hebrew, Hades is Greek. Hell is English. It's a place in the center of the earth, in the heart of the earth, divided into two sections. One section was a place of torment. The other place, the other section was called Abraham's bosom. Okay? You remember Luke chapter 16, 19, I think 16. No, it's chapter 19. The rich man in hell, being in torments, lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham. And Lazarus, afar off in Abraham's bosom. Lazarus is being comforted. Okay? That wasn't heaven. In fact, that's what we call paradise. When Jesus said to the thief on the cross, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise, that's where he took him. That's where they ended up. And the scripture says that Jesus preached captivity to the captives. All those people who died in faith in the Old Testament up until the day that Jesus went to the cross of Calvary, even the thief who died that day, none of those people went to heaven. They went to this place of comfort called Abraham's bosom. And there they were held until their sins were paid for. You say, oh, that sounds like purgatory. No, it doesn't. They didn't suffer for their sins. They just waited for the penalty to be paid. And when Jesus purged our sins, He went down there and He preached to them what? How is it that people get saved? What is necessary for people to get saved? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, and this is the what? Whereby people are saved. Whereby you're saved. The gospel. Exactly. And what is the gospel? How that Christ died according to our sins. 
that he was buried and rose again the third day according to, our, according to the scriptures. I'm sorry, not according to our sins. Christ died for us. How that Christ died for us according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Okay? That's the gospel whereby people get saved. Well, so what was the first message Jesus preached in hell? The gospel. And all of those who had by faith gone to death looking for the finished work of Christ on Calvary, their salvation, those who died believing, heard the message. And those who had gone to hell because of their unbelief heard the message. They knew they were there justly. And Jesus took those folks who were there with him. And what's it say he did? When he had by himself purged our sin, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. He took all of those folks to the presence of God that we call heaven. Okay? Difference between paradise and Abraham's bosom and heaven. Paradise, Abraham's bosom, it was before the cross. Now there's heaven as after the cross. How long are we going to spend time in heaven? Seven years. Seven years. Now, those who have already died are already there. So they're going to spend longer time. But those of us who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, at the beginning of the, or at the rapture of the church, the beginning of the tribulation period, we're going to spend seven years there. What are we going to do? We're going to be rewarded for what we did for Christ at the, at, at the trophy table, the bema. And then we're going to sit down with him at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we're going to be the bride of Christ. And the Old Testament prophets, the Old Testament saints are going to be witnesses. And they're going to see us get married to Jesus. Woohoo! And when the wedding is over, after seven years, we're coming back with him. He's going to come from heaven on a white horse. And with the word of his mouth, he's going to destroy the, the, the armies of the Antichrist. And he's going to set up his kingdom in Jerusalem. And he's going to be the king over all the kings of the earth. And we are going to rule and reign with him. I don't know what that means to you, but that's cool to me. Okay? I can hardly wait. He sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. We're going to pause there this evening. Because if I get started and go much farther, we'll be here all night. Okay, one more verse. Verse 5. For unto which of the angels said he at any time? Here's the evidence that he has a more excellent name than they. Under which of the angels said God at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. The writer of Hebrews is quoting from the Psalms. To which of the angels said God at any time? God doesn't call the angels his sons. No. Jesus Christ is His Son, the only begotten 
Son of God. That used to trouble me a little because John 3.16 says in the beginning, uh, excuse me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And yet John chapter 1 says, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. The difference is Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. Okay? He is the only person ever begotten of God. You know, in the Old Testament, those chapters that really get hard to read, and so and so beget so and so, 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 and it goes on and on and on and on, and you say, why in the world did God put that in there? God wants you to know that He knows everybody. He knows everybody. So He put them all in there. If he knows everybody then, he knows everybody now. He knows you. And he said, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And he said, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the firstborn into the world, he saith, Let all the angels of God worship him. We're not ever to worship angels. Angels are not supposed to worship us. But we all are to worship Jesus. Jesus. And so, Jesus is made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. What are you saying, Brother Casey? I'm saying there's no other name than the name of Jesus. No other name given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name that has the power to drive off demons like the name Jesus. And you say, but Jesus is just the Greek translation of his name, isn't it? Isn't his name really uh, Yeshua? Yes, it is. Okay? However... You use the word Jesus, all of the demons know exactly who you're talking about. Okay? So don't you worry about the correct pronunciation of his name. You just cling to that name Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's glory in the name of Jesus. In fact, Paul wrote in Philippians that At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things on the earth and things under the earth. Those are the three worlds. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow to the glory of God the Father. I don't know about you, but that stirs me up a little. You know, I just, wow, that thrills me because he and I are joint heirs. Everything that belongs to the Father belongs to me and Jesus. And you and Jesus, if you're saved. And so when things get a little tough, I just mentioned it, the Father. That uh, 
One of his kids has a need. He already knows what the need is, but I share it with him anyhow. And then I ask him to meet that need in the name of Jesus. Let's bow together. Father, thank you so much for your precious word. Dear Lord, as we look at the book of Hebrews, reveal yourself to us in a new, or if not new, a, an exciting way that will refocus our attention on Jesus. Help us to be able to see him more clearly than ever before and recognize the, the impact of what he wants to do in our lives. Thank you, thank you that you've spoken to us in these last days by your Son, is the Word of God. Dismiss us with your love. Bring us back safely on Wednesday night. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen.